um, when you hear that statement from the president, not seeking conflict, um, that this is clearly in response to those three American service members who were killed, and then um, what we know about the actual uh, strikes, 85 targets, 125 precision munitions, B-1B bombers. What do you make of this response? Listen, the administration, I think there's a parallel to the way it handled the war in Ukraine, D does not want there. They did not want a direct conflict with Russia. They're arming Ukraine to defend itself here. They, they want to defend Israel. They want to keep a lid on tax on shipping by the Houthi rebels and, of course, on attacks on U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria. But they don't want a direct conflict with Iran, even though they know and they say repeatedly Iran is backing these groups, uh, arming them, and these attacks would not be happening without Iran, regardless of whether they believe they're directly issuing the orders. And th the fact is they have a conflict with Iran here because their interests are uh, in direct opposition in a number of places, and U.S. soldiers have died. These strikes happen, as you, sh you were showing the pictures there, as Biden mm -hmm. and, and, his, and his wife and the Secretary of Defense were at Dover receiving the remains of three service members who died in attack by Iran-backed militias. So they're already in the conflict with it, and it's already expanded beyond Gaza, sadly, on a number of fronts. So the question is, does this keep it from expanding further? And it's not clear it does. I mean, the U.S. has responded to militia attacks on U.S. service members in recent weeks. Those attacks have continued. They've escalated. You've killed soldiers. So those answers haven't worked. This is larger, but it took a number of days. You could be certain the Iranian personnel uh, went to ground or left, so they weren't there mm -hmm. when these attacks took place. They probably hit a lot of their material as well. So you, have, you already have a question about the effect of the deterrence. We'll only know. We'll only know over time. But, it, but it's not a clear-cut solution to something that is already expanding beyond what they wanted. Yeah, we've talked about all these efforts to make sure that it doesn't escalate, that it doesn't expand. But it has steadily. Obviously, as you say, mm. um, the effort is to make sure that it doesn't explode and, and grow, grow beyond what it is already. Uh, Beth Sanner, the, this notion that um, the U.S. doesn't want direct war with Iran, it is something that they have said throughout the course of the week. Uh, the Biden White House tonight making clear uh, that they are not striking inside Iran. How does the Biden administration deter Iran and tell it essentially to tell its proxies to knock it off while also making clear that they don't want to really take the fight to Iran? Well, they have said those things out loud, maybe a little bit too much from my perspective. You know, but here, this is a very fine line, right? They're threading a needle here. And some of this is informed by history. Um, you know, Nick was just saying, uh, you know, when we struck Soleimani and I was around briefing President Trump during those days, nothing really happened. Well, that's, I, I kind of disagree with that. Um, two days later, there was this massive missile attack on a U.S. base. Mm -hmm. It was only by luck and some forewarning that U.S. soldiers didn't get killed from that. And two months later, there was another attack. In March, right. In March, where two U.S. servicemen and U.K. Mm -hmm. servicemen w were killed. We actually just didn't respond very much to those attacks because we wanted to keep a lid on things. So this is what every administration does. There's nothing special or whatever. You're trying to figure out where that line is. I'm kind of worried that this might not be enough. Um, and so this is why President Biden says there, you know, there will be more at a place and time of our choosing. So we're just going to have to see how yeah. this unfolds. But there isn't a, a thing that you can point to that's the dot. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to feel your way around it. Yeah, multi-phased over time is something they're saying. But certainly out of the gate, it doesn't appear that there's anything close to Correct. something like a strike on the head of the Quds Force of the RGC. I want to bring in uh, Colonel Cedric Layton. We're lucky enough to have a retired Air Force 
Uh, Colonel, uh, when you look at what was used today, this B-1B bomber flown from the United States, when you look at that long list uh, of uh, targets that were struck that Orrin initially read out from that CENTCOM statement, uh, does anything stand out to you? Well, I think the big thing here is that a lot of what is going on, Alex, is happening in an area where the intelligence community knows uh, the militias are active. Uh, so it's pretty clear we're focusing on the Euphrates River Valley. Which has uh, been struck before by the United States. Exactly. It has been struck before. They know that, in essence, what we call that is a restrike of the target. Now, usually restrikes happen within a cycle of, of air tasking orders. Uh, but what that really means is those targets can be restruck at our discretion. And when they are uh, struck in this way, yes, there's a message that's being sent to Iran, but also to the proxies. Uh, and if, we, if they continue to fight uh, with the American forces and if they continue to attack them, there can be more attacks like this. So in terms of the target set, uh, what we're looking at here, I think, is something that's pretty clear that it's command and control, supply-oriented, and logistics-oriented. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to starve them out from their capabilities and, in essence, cut the link from Iran to those militia groups. Now, they're not going to be completely successful in doing that with this one strike, as extensive as it was, but it's still a message that it can be done, and it's a message that we will use any weapon at our disposal, almost any weapon at our disposal, to do this. Yeah, a very important border area right there between uh, Iraq and Syria. Of course, there's a straight logistics line from Iran just to the east of there. Uh, I want to get to David Sanger. He's also with us. David, you said that the response options for Biden range from what you've called unsatisfying to highly risky. So from what we've seen so far, where do you think this is on that range? Well, somewhere in the middle, probably leaning a little more toward unsatisfying. Um, the risky part of this would have been to go attack inside Iran. And what I find interesting about the symbolism of using the B-1 is that it's a reminder to the Iranians that if the U.S. decided at any point it needed to go after the major nuclear sites uh, in Iran, at Natanz and Fordo, this is probably the weapon they would use, this and, and B-2s. And so they're making the point they know how to reach this from the continental United States. Um, I'm sure that these strikes will degrade uh, the capability of a lot of the proxies, but it's not a long-term solution for cutting them off. And many of the proxies view um, their interests here as a bit different from Iran's. Iran's a major state, has got a lot of assets to lose. These uh, militia groups sort of win by not folding when the United States strikes them. And that's what we've seen happen with the Houthis, who uh, came out of Yemen and were doing more attacks on shipping just yesterday uh, and, and today. So uh, it's not clear to me that this will deter. It may well slow them down for a while. And I don't know anybody in the U.S. government who thinks that this is a solution. It's a sending of a message. And they think the Iranians, for the reasons Beth raised, are probably receiving that message and trying to, to tell the proxies to, to back off for a bit. David, uh, you've written a lot about uh, the, 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 the targeting of Iran when it, it, through cyber methods. Um, there is a, a, an expectation that perhaps what is happening today and in the coming phases of this is not just kinetic, not just uh, military like we're seeing right now with, with, with jets dropping bombs, but could also, there could also be some cyber targeting. What do you think the U.S. is, is doing on the cyber front vis-a-vis -vis Iran and its proxies right now? 
Well, it, the most obvious target for cyber would be some of their command and control. Uh, it would be their ability to, to produce uh, some of these weapons, including uh, the drones, uh, including uh, their missile supplies. But, you know, cyber takes a lot more time and planning. If U.S. Cyber Command has been inside the Iranian facilities for some time, then they could execute a simultaneous strike. But it's not something you can work up in a week or necessarily even a month. It takes a long time to get access. Now, Iran's been a target for so long, presumably they know what some of those accesses are. That could also be part of the next wave. Now, I think one of the reasons that they were using uh, bombers coming in from the U.S. is that they want to preserve their capabilities in uh, the Mediterranean, in the Red Sea, and so forth, uh, so that they've got that for a second strike. Same thing could be the case for cyber.